there's something in the air when you walk into this building. Maybe it's the positive spirit of everybody working. Maybe it's just the drywall falling. Either way, you can't help but feel something when you set foot in here. If I had to describe it, I would use words like excitement, anticipation, ownership. Ownership? Yeah, ownership. There's a passage in the Bible in Romans that describes us as joint heirs with Christ. Because we're the children of God, we share in not only his glory, but also in his suffering. So what does being a joint heir have to do with the new building? Well, think about it. What do you have ownership of in your life? Some of us take ownership of our cars. You know, the ones that you dutifully wax and wash every sunny weekend. Others may take ownership in your houses, buying new things, dragging your spouse out to Ikea for the latest and greatest unpronounceable Swedish bookcase. But what about our family, our children, our spouses? Because we take ownership of our families, the people that we love the most in this world, no matter what they look like, we make the sacrifices that we need to make. We work the job that we really can't stand. We get up early, sometimes at the crack of dawn, and we take the kids to the practices. We participate in all the things of life, like the candy sales and, and the bake sales and the popcorn sales. We do all these things and make all these sacrifices so that the ones we love can live life to the fullest. See, when you have ownership of something, you realize that it's worth fighting for. And because of this, because we are joint heirs with Christ, we are called to stand up and take ownership in the exact things that he fought for, his church. And this, this is the feeling that I get every time I set foot in this building. I get so excited when I look around this building because once the dust has fallen and, and everything's said and done, this place is going to be where my son falls head over heels in love with Jesus and learns about the love he has for him and what he wants to do with his life. My husband is going to have his faith strengthened and rooted in this place. And he's gonna learn week after week how to better lead our family. And for me, I'm gonna be filled up again and renewed so that I can go back out into the world and I can spread the love and compassion that I've found here. A good friend told me once, keep giving, even if you have no idea where it's coming from. And for a lot of us, that's the reason why we hold back. We hold back because we can't see where that money is gonna come from. But the beauty in giving is <laughs> the instant reward. All you have to do is start. And think about how you will feel when you walk into this building and you feel that pride, your pride of ownership and what we've accomplished here. You can come in here and look around the room and know that you, you had a part in this. You gave that $5 because that was all you had to give. You painted a room, you laid tile on the ground, you threw fiberglass out a window or a door. You suffered just like Christ suffered. And you also get a chance to celebrate in his glory. Is the fight easy? No. Many of us are suffering right now, right where we are. But is the fight worth it? Absolutely. Keep fighting. Take ownership of your church. Remember, we're joint heirs with Christ. We're all in this together.
good. It's a good job, Lindsay. Lindsay, uh, if you didn't notice, up here singing backup vocals today. She's just an all-around uh, all-star, I guess. I don't know. She's spectacular. Hey, I love that video. Many of you saw it last week. And what I love the most about that video is that it gets to the heart of what this Build Lives Capital campaign is really all about. We've been doing this capital campaign now for about 11 months, yep, getting close to right one year. year. And we're simply raising money to build out our new facility up north on I-75, right off the Liberty Way exit there on Cox Road. We've been a mobile church now for almost eight years. In fact, our eight-year anniversary comes up in it's two weeks, isn't two it? Two weeks from now, yeah. yeah. And we're really looking forward to this. And we wanted a chance to take a chance this morning before we even got into the message we want to bring you to say thank you to everyone who has helped with this building, whether you've come out and worked and put up drywall mud and sanded drywall mud and hung studs, or maybe you've been giving to the campaign. We really appreciate it. And if you're not a part, we want to make sure we take an opportunity to say to you today, please get involved. We're not anywhere near complete yet. No. We're shooting for when? We're shooting for by the end of October, and right now we are on pace. Barring any surprises, bar, barring a major dip in cash flow, we should be on target to be in by the end of October. Yeah, so if you have not been out to a work night yet, we want to invite you to do that. You can come out any Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. or Saturday from 9 to noon. Even tomorrow, even though it's a holiday, you're making us all work. I am. I'm a slave <laughs> right. driver. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> if you have some extra time tomorrow, you want to come out and do that. And also, honestly, if you haven't given yet, and if you haven't made a pledge yet in particular, we could really use your help. It's really going to be right down to the very last it dime is. just for phase one. Yeah. And so if you haven't prayerfully considered that, we'd like for you to do that. And honestly, if you're praying, God tells you not to do it, don't do it. Right. Uh, but if you pray and he tells you to do it, we'd love for you to do that. And in your cup holder... Uh, when you came in, there was a uh, commitment card. If you want to take that home and pray about it, you can do that as well. And then they can mail that back in in the uh, self-addressed stamped envelope there as well. Exactly. Greg, you mentioned prayer. Um, last week, we, I, I spoke with you guys about prayer, and I just want to say thank you. So many of you sent notes or tapped me on the shoulder after service, um, and you talked to me about how you've been praying for us. We sincerely believe that prayer isn't the thing we add on and ask God to bless. We really believe it's at the core of the battle. It's like in the Old Testament, it was the, the men in the army who walked first, and you know they, they went and did the, the pre-work for the rest of You guys have been doing that. For those of you that are praying for us, thank you. Thank you. There are spiritual forces, there are dynamics we can't see, that when we pray, God moves in the direction of his will. So thank you for that. It, it's, it's a really big deal. And the last thing I want to say about this, um, we, have, we have a gentleman um, who is a part of this team who has stepped up in a way that is just profound. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Marv. Marv. <laughs> yeah, yeah thank me, you. I know. Uh, Mar Marv Goldschmidt um, has stepped up in a way that has just made this project possible. Without him, honestly, we would be lost. Marv stepped up months ago and said, I work at this company, um, and, and I do this kind of stuff for a living. I kind of stand in the gap between the builders and the, uh, and the, and the folks who are doing the projects, the, owner, or the owners of the buildings or whatever. And I'd like to come and bring that skill set for us. And I would wonder if you guys would like to, with me, just say thank you to Marv, a member of this congregation, for helping yeah. us get this thing forward. Yeah, it's amazing. So there's a lot of things going on right now at Four Corners. We're coming up on our eighth anniversary. We're all over there doing a lot of work on the new facility. It's looking great, by the way. It really? We got our building permit this week. So up to this point, it's all been demolition. Right. Now it's build back in the right. new stuff. Yeah, and Ben's been killing it on Sunday mornings with his messages. Honestly, if you missed last week, I think 
you've missed one of the best messages I've ever heard on prayer in, in my entire life. And I've been in church since I was two years old. It was spectacular. So it's online if you want to catch that. And then coming up in just uh, a couple of weeks, maybe even uh, next Sunday, I think it is, small group catalogs are going to be coming out. And I wanted to highlight, since you talked about prayer, just some opportunities coming up. We're going to be doing a study together as a church in some of the learning groups. Really, it's a book about finding out how you discover God's will for your life. It's a really good book. It's, it's like every book. About 95% of it's spectacular. About 5% of it I read and I go, uh. But that's the kind of stuff that stretches you, right? So we're going right. to be doing that book together as a church. Greg, I, I love this book. And, and I, I mentioned it to you last week. I love this book because it takes what can be this almost um, cloud-like idea, very up here, 30,000 foot, and really brings it down to some practical how do you, if you're 15, 18, 22, 35, 55, how do you figure out what is God's will in your life for the next phase? Uh, and it's, I love it because he makes it much less mysterious and makes it pretty tangible. You know, God's word isn't silent on this. We're ignorant largely. Yeah. And then I think that sometimes because it is this lofty idea and it's so grand and it pulls our hearts that we almost make it like this overly romantic notion that somehow we're going to be eating our Cheerios and in the middle of the bite, boom, spelled in the letters, God says to us, right. you know, do this sort of thing. Uh, that's not the way it happens really at all. There's some very practical things. So we're going to be reading this book about how to just move forward in God's will for the next yeah. phase of our life. It's going to be great. Yeah. And then besides those learning groups, there are going to be some <clears throat> other book studies and Bible studies. Like always, there are going to be some connecting groups where you can just get together and do fellowship, uh, get to know some other people in the congregation. So if you're newer and you feel like you don't have any friends, uh, definitely be here next week and look for opportunities to sign up. And then there's going to be a few serving groups as well, some there go are. ministry stuff. One of my favorites, the reason I brought this up here is in the first couple years we existed as a church, we had this prayer shawl small group. Some women and a couple guys got together. I don't know if there are any guys. I just threw that out trying to be sensitive. I think guys would be welcome. Right. I don't I know think if they're welcome. actually taken us Anyhow, up they would knit these uh, blankets and they would pray while they were doing it. And then it was a huge benefit to us as pastors of this church because when we would go visit someone in the hospital or at home, we'd be able to take these blankets with us yeah. and just say, hey, even before we knew what was going on and even before you knew about this illness, there were some people in our church praying for you and making this blanket, so we want to give this to you as a gift. And that group's going to be in the catalog this week as well, so look for that. All kinds of good stuff coming up at Four Corners Church. And you know, today... Uh, real quick, yeah, yeah. I, I, we, I saw my mom a couple weeks ago, and uh, I walked into her yeah, room, and she had her prayer cloth from months ago that somebody in this church had knitted for her. And I walked in, and I was just moved, as she was just covered over with... And it's cool, because you know she's just covering over for comfort, right. but she's also covering herself in those prayers that were offered to her. And it meant so much to us as a family for that. Yeah. Well, today we want to chat with you about, uh, really, besides prayer, which we chatted with you about last week, something else that really is the heartbeat of what we do here at Four Corners. And it's a tough subject because we're going to talk about it. Many of you have heard about this subject before, yet the reality is a lot of us don't really engage this spiritual discipline. We typically don't engage it, I think, if you're at all like me and a lot of the people I've talked to as we've done church together, we don't engage the spiritual discipline because we're really just afraid. Most of us are terrified of what we're getting ready to talk about. And we push you as a congregation four times to engage this spiritual discipline. Four times every single year, we push you to engage this discipline. And many of you have done it. Some of you haven't. Many of you have tried it and been successful. Others of you have not. But we wanted to take an opportunity two weeks before our eighth anniversary and kind of unpack for you what is one of the main core values of this congregation. 
the, the big secret that we want to chat with you about, the spiritual discipline, is the idea of evangelism. And what it would look like maybe if you got on fire about one of the commands in the Bible for you to go out and tell your community, maybe your neighbors or your co-workers or your friends or your family, tell them about your experience with Jesus. And we want to encourage you to do that today. And if you've heard this message before and you're killing it, great, good for you, terrific high fives all around. But for the other 98% of you that are sitting in the room, I hope that you'll just ask God to soften your heart around any preconceived ideas you have about this and any initial like, uh, here comes the evangelism talk again. And ask God just to do in your heart and your life whatever he would like to do. And we're pretty confident that it'll be right in line with what the Bible says about evangelism and what we're going to ask you to do over the next 14 days or so. You know, Greg, this message series is, is, is all about having a place for everyone. And so when we started, we talked about the prodigal son. And we didn't focus on the prodigal son or the older brother. We focused on the father's heart. God's heart for us. Today's message comes from the exact same place. The, the reason why the church and individual Christians were pushed by Jesus to take evangelism serious is because God decided a long time ago that he would use us to make his heart for people apparent to them. And evangelism is one of those powerful ways we do it. And it's a beautiful two-edged sword. And it really accomplishes God's work powerfully because we share God's heart. You're welcomed in God's heart. And proof of that is you're welcomed in his church. But the other thing is, is for people that get on board with it, it does something in our lives. It's like prayer. When you pray for stuff and for people and the people you love, it does something there, something often immeasurable, but forces begin to move. But it doesn't just help the stuff. It helps the prayer. The prayer, the evangelizer, the one who is reaching out from God's heart to do God's agenda, it does something powerful in our life. And part of my excitement about what we're going to talk about today, and it's not all that complicated, is not only are people going to get to see God's heart on display as we create an environment of welcome, as you extend a welcome, we're going to experience the move of God's spirit in our own lives as we step forward in obedience. It's the beauty of God's work. You do what God called you to do. It blesses others. And it blesses you. In fact, sometimes when we do this, Greg, one of the hurdles I think emotionally is people believe that maybe what we're trying to do is grow our church. Now, I ain't going to lie. Part of that is the truth. We believe that our church is doing God's work in a powerful way, and we want more people to come experience that. But that's not our heartbeat. That's not the core of the core. That's just kind of a, an auxiliary purpose. The core of the core is, is we want to bless our community. We believe God started Four Corners Church to bless the community. And if we bless the community with God's agenda and God's heart, and we put it on display, if we bless our community, we believe God will bless his church. And so we just want to put God's heart on display. And we know that this is hard to do. You have lives to live. We have a thousand things competing for our time. So four times a year, we raise this value. And we say, we're going to focus as a church on this thing because while we may not do it every day, red hot, 365, we can a few times a year turn up the temperature. Yeah, there's something interesting about spiritual disciplines. When I say that phrase, I'm talking about things like prayer, uh, reading your Bible, coming to church and gathering together with groups of like-minded people to, to worship God, fasting, uh, evangelism. When we talk about those things, all of us who have been around church for a while, and honestly, if you've just kind of been around American culture for a while, you kind of know what we're talking about. But the weird thing about it is even people who have been following Jesus for a long time, if they were completely honest with you, a lot of them don't engage 
spiritual disciplines on a regular basis. Yeah. You might have one or two that you do sometimes, and yeah. maybe one or two that are kind of your favorite. But I think that's why they're called disciplines, because they're kind of like exercise for me. I, I don't like to do it. I just know I need to do it. And if I want to stay healthy, I need to be doing it on a regular basis. That really is what spiritual, spiritual disciplines are all about. They, they're the idea that if you'll do these things, you'll stay in a healthier pattern, a healthier relationship with Jesus. You'll be more ready to hear God when he speaks to you. You'll be more willing to take the next step that he has for your life. You'll be more willing to take the left turn or the right turn down the path that he has for you. They're the things that kind of keep you in tune, kind of tune the radio into the station where God is. And yet, for a lot of us, we just simply ignore the fact that over the last 2,000 years, and even throughout the New Testament, and some in the Old Testament, people that follow God have been doing these all that time. Yeah. And the ones that have really been knocking it out for God have been doing more of the spiritual disciplines than most of us do on a regular yeah. basis. They, they really are, I think, what ground does, make our roots grow deep. And, you know, when Jesus called people, um, sometimes we call them apostles, those 12. They were, the followers of Jesus were called disciples. Disciples, discipline. I mean, it's hand in hand the same thing. So you really can't, uh, it, it, within, like with full integrity and knowledge, not engage the things Jesus obeys his followers to obey, and then really fall in the category of uh, disciple. The truth is, like with prayer, there are a lot of us, myself included, friends, I mean, this is like at me, um, we're we're just bad followers. I mean, we're just bad followers. Now, we're still going to heaven, and one day God's going to sanctify us fully and fully glorify our bodies, and all the imperfections are going to be brought away, we're going to have new bodies in heaven. But between now and then, a lot of us are just bad followers. Or we have a segment of our life where we're a bad follower. You know, maybe we do really well over here, but not here. This is a call to take this one thing that Jesus was explicit about and then raise the temperature and get that evangelistic temperature in your own life up because this is what he commissioned his followers to do. The last words he left, the last words, like his last will and testament was, I'm going to go away and I want you to carry the message forward. Yeah. That, that's evangelism. Yeah, and the way we push you to do evangelism around here four times a year, just by the way, in case you don't know, we ask you to, uh, to really engage this right around February, right around the Super Bowl Sunday. It's, it's typically where in the suburbs people are back in a routine after their winter break of school and work and that sort of stuff. So right around February. Then we do it again at Easter yeah, because it's a natural time where people who maybe don't go to church regularly, they think maybe I could go to church. In general, mo- more people are probably receptive right around that time to hear yeah. about spiritual things and about kind of Christian things uh, than most times of the year. We do it again right around this time of year in September. We just tie it to our anniversary because it's logical yeah. uh, to do that. And then the last one is at Christmas Eve. Uh, actually, for us, it's Christmas Eve. Eve, Eve. Yeah. But again, it's one of those times of year where people are just a little more sensitive, maybe a little more receptive to hearing about things of God than they are throughout the regular hustle and bustle of a year. So four times a year we do that, and uh, we're coming up on it in two weeks. It's our eighth anniversary, like we said, and we are wanting to ask you to engage, ev- engage evangelism over the next, like I said, 14 days or so between this afternoon and Sunday, September the 16th. We want you to ask God to lay on your heart someone in your life, maybe more than one person in your life, who you are uniquely qualified and gifted to tell them the story of God. And we want to partner with you in doing that. And we're going to make it really simple for you. In fact, all we're asking you to do, if you can't go all the way, if you can't have that entire conversation of, I want to tell you about God's activity in my life, we want to ask you to at least get them to this church and we can tell them about God's activity in this world. So we're going to just partner with you in evangelism 
on September 16th. Between now and then, we're just asking you to either have a full conversation with someone about God's work in your life and what he's doing with you and invite them to maybe experience the same thing. Or, if you're not comfortable with all that, get them here and let us do that maybe harder job for you. So we're just trying to make it as simple as we can for you so that, like Ben said, you'll experience the win of following God fully in this spiritual discipline of evangelism. Yeah. You know what, what, what's cool is what Greg was talking about, sharing your story. The Bible calls that a testimony. Now, now listen to what the Bible says about your testimony. The Bible says you and I are made overcomers by the word of our testimony. We're made overcomers. Now, I don't know all that that needs to mean in your life, but I know if God says I can be an overcomer, I want that. And if the way to become an overcomer is to share my testimony, now listen, it's not share my, and maybe this is part of sharing your testimony, but it's not sharing my arguments for why you should believe in Jesus. It's not sharing my complete theology around the nature of the church so that you can see how powerful it is and you want to be a part. I'm just sharing the story of what God's done in my life. And when I share that, it impacts the person. But I'm made an overcomer. Jesus didn't call us to do anything other than be his witnesses of what happened to us. We don't have to explain whether the earth was made in seven literal days. We don't have to describe all that's going to happen at the end of time. The dynamic kicks in in power in a spirit-enthused way when we simply share with somebody we care about what Jesus has done in our lives. That's evangelism, pure and simple. And then God brings on board the church and says this, you know, some people just aren't in a place, don't know enough, aren't comfortable, don't have a pattern, haven't worked out how to share the entire scope. But if they share their story, and if the church then shares the big story of the gospel, what God's doing in the world at large, those two things come together in a one-two punch for the knockout. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Ben, there's one of the reasons we're so passionate about it is we want you to experience the win of being God's mouthpiece in this world and having the boldness to say to someone else, I want to tell you about what God's done in my life. Or maybe explain or ask someone else, what, what has God been doing in your life? Or maybe take an opportunity when the timing is right to ask someone if you can pray with them. I don't expect that really anyone remembers this, but several years ago now, I think probably, probably four years ago, I shared a message on evangelism. We were getting ready to do a big day. Um, I think it might have been one of our anniversaries. And I talked about this family across the street from me that I had just kind of ignored. They were a neighbor of mine. And I talked about how I had been walking down the street uh, later that week as I was getting ready to, to share the message. I'd seen this nickel on the ground, and I walked right past it. And really because the nickel had no value to me. And I felt like God spoke to me immediately in that moment and said, you, treated, you treat that family across the street from you the same way that you treat that nickel as if it has no value. And I was really kind of convicted as the, the yeah. Christian, the spiritual word for right. it, of my inactivity in the world. Well, well, it's been four years. Honestly, between that message and today, I hadn't, or, or last Thursday, I hadn't done anything about it. I was convicted, felt bad, I shared how I felt bad, and I didn't do anything about it. I don't know if you can relate with that. Well, <laughs> this past Thursday... You know, I knew we were getting ready to share this message with you about evangelism. And honestly, all I could think about was this nickel thing from four years ago. And I was, the house that I owned at that time, I'm now renting. But I was over there to make a repair. And this neighbor, sure enough, the way God works, was out in her driveway. She just pulled in from home as I was getting in my car to leave. So I thought, all right, well, this is, this is no coincidence. This is exactly what I've been praying for, for God to send me an opportunity. 
Uh, and so I'm just going to, you know, man up, suck it up, and go out and talk to her. And really, the reason I treat her like a nickel, I'm not trying to be mean or crude. I just don't like her. Um, she's not fun to be around, wasn't the best neighbor in the world. And yet, I, I feel like she needed to hear more about God. And at least I needed to tell her whether she needed to hear about it or not. So I went over and just simply asked her how she was doing, began a conversation. And the uh, end of the story is I had an opportunity to ask her, you know, how she was doing with the Lord. And if she had, made, had found a time in her adult life to make Jesus the leader and Lord of her life. Well, she had, so I was glad to hear that. I, really, I, I was a little defeated because I wanted to be like the guy who did it. But <laughs> even though I was like 10% defeated, when I got back in the car, I felt this huge sense of like, man, I, I not did only did I, did I do it, and I was kind of proud of myself and patting myself on the back, but I got to partner with the God in telling the greatest story in the world. I, mean, I didn't tell like what God had done in my life, and I didn't share the gospel, but I had the guts just to engage a spiritual dialogue with someone in the moment that God made available for me to do it. And really, as we're asking you to engage evangelism this week and over the next 14 days, all we're asking you to do is that, is to ask God to give you eyes for someone in your sphere of influence that might need a spiritual conversation. And then for you, the harder part to get the guts, the man up, to woman up, and to engage a conversation that maybe wouldn't be so typical for you to have. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why we don't do that, Greg. You, you mentioned at the front end of our message today that it's fear. Uh, in, in your Bible, in John chapter 1, I think the guys have the verse for me. In John chapter 1, it talks about Andrew and Peter. And I just want to read the verse. It says, the first thing Andrew did when he heard about Jesus and had that encounter that began to change his life was to find his brother Simon and tell him, And he says, we found the Messiah. That word simply means the Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. He didn't feel like he had all the information to tell everything. He's like, I found the one. This is the answer. This is what we need. I'm going to take you to him. That's the way we kind of want to partner with you. If you don't feel like you got it all, um, do what God has put in front of you. Share the peace that you can do. But then bring them to church. Uh, Here's the way we've talked about it in the past. It's like, when we serve somebody in kindness, that, that's powerful. In fact, there's a, a famous phrase whenever you talk about evangelism. It comes from the early church fathers, and it's, it goes something like this. Uh, with all your life and everything that you do, proclaim God's word, preach his word, and then if you must use words, use them. The idea here is that if you just live the right life and be kind and be nice, then that's going to be enough. No, 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 that, that's foolish. That's foolish. Being kind and doing service and doing the right thing is essential. you got to do that. That's the right part of that slogan. But saying that that's enough would be like me saying to people, look, if you're hungry, all I need to do is like tell you where the food is. I don't actually need to bring the food to you. The evangelism thing isn't about us just letting people know that Jesus has affected our life. It's like showing them where the meal is. It's not giving them the appetizer, but it's helping them find where the entire fully sustaining, nourishing meal is consistently served. We want to get you, if you will, to bring people not on board with just what's going on in your life, but bring them to a place where the entire meal can be regularly served up, where we get to worship together. I I don't know about you guys, but this week I had an interesting week. And as we stood, as I stood right down there in front of the speakers, listening to the worship, and our our worship team led us in worship... it happens to me regularly when I set my heart. My heart gets lifted. I focus on God and not just my week. I focus on him and not me. His holiness, his glory begins to radiate larger and the other stuff takes their proper place. I want that for the people I love in this community. I want them to come get the meal, not just the appetizer. 
I want them to experience Jesus and his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. It's foolish to say you love Jesus and you don't like his bride. So we want to get them here. And if not here, then some other good church in Cincinnati or the surrounding area. There are a lot of them, honestly. There are a lot of great churches preaching God's word. We feel like we do it really well. We worship well. We serve well. We have good community. We want them here, just like Andrew saying to Peter, who writes, you know, First and Second Peter becomes the apostle that Jesus looks at and says, I'm going to build the church based on the confession that you have and upon the work you're going to do. We want, people to, we want you to bring people to Jesus just like Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Yeah, you know, really, as you were illustrating there in your story, the heart behind evangelism is really just compassion. We want to create an atmosphere of compassion in Four Corners Church. We, we do a terrific job with things like our Go Ministries where we do outreach. And you're going to hear at the end of the service today about the school supplies that you brought with a little video from the people over at Reach Out Lakota. We built churches in India, and in fact, next week I'm going to show you some pictures of a baptism service that happened in India with the baptismal that we paid for, you guys paid for, to have built over at the church that's called Four Corners India. Yeah, yeah. We do dig wells in Africa. We've done a lot of yeah. things that are compassionate, but really the, the main way to express compassion in this world is to realize that there's a life beyond the one that we're currently living, and that even if we can to borrow an example from the Bible and what you were talking about earlier, even if we could feed someone or build a baptismal for someone or supply uh, school supplies for someone in this world, how much better the gift if we share with them life eternal and the way to receive that yeah. and partner with that, not only here in this world, in the here and now, but for eternity with God. We want to create a church full of compassionate people for this world that we live in now, but also with eyes for everlasting knowing that everyone we come into contact with, whether you live beside of them and you can't stand them, like was my case, <laughs> or you go to work with them every single day, or they're in your family, we want to have eyes, really, for lost people That's right. in this world. And we want God to keep confronting us and keep putting people in our circles of influence, people who are lost, so that we can do the work of God in this world, which is exactly what he left us to do, those who follow him. The, the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1, Jesus looking at his followers, go into all the world. Remember a few weeks ago, I talked to you about prescriptive and descriptive passages. This isn't describing simply what he said. It was a prescriptive passage telling all the followers of Jesus in all times, in all places, nobody's exempt, go tell my story. The story of what I've done in your life, but then bring them to the full meal, to the full table, and let them experience all that I have. It's pretty powerful. You know, as a pastor, Greg, we talk about this. Sometimes I get frustrated because you look at what happens in the name of Jesus, and you're thinking, oh, come on, guys, just stop. And so sometimes, you know, the televangelist stuff or church scandal, and, you know, it sometimes just makes it feel like it's hard. But rather than, like, taking on all of that, what if you just took on, like we said, the story of what Jesus did in your life, and you just did it with the people you already know? See, when you tell your story of what Jesus has done, there's no argument against that. I mean, somebody may discount you, but if you already have a relationship and trust and you're already working alongside, they already know you, and you say something like, this has been a standard you know, entry point to this conversation I've used. You say something like, I have found, Jill and I have found that in our life, our engagement of church has made a massive difference. That's a standard line I use when I feel compelled by God's spirit to move forward on evangelism. I just say something like, Jill and I have found that our engagement of church, and I usually make a joke and say, you might expect a pastor to say that, but we have found that our engagement of church has made a dramatic difference in our marriage, in the way we parent. 
I can't tell you the crazy, weird God conversations I've had after that. Yeah. Where you just open the door. Or I say something like, here's another standard line I'll use. I'll be talking to somebody uh, about stuff, and I'll just use this line. So, so how, what church did you grow up in? Or, or did you grow up in a church? And they'll say, yeah, I used to do this. And, and because of just some experience I have, I, I know a lot of people's traditions. And so I'll ask them a few things about that. Well, what did you think about this? Is that now an active part of your life? I'm just opening the door, just cracking the door. And I just kind of wait to see where it goes. And God will use that. Oh, yeah. It's a powerful tool. We talked a little right at the beginning about how people are afraid. I, I think that for a large percentage of you, if you'd just be honest in your own heart without a show of hands, fear probably is the main reason we don't do this. We don't want to be the weird person at yeah. work or the neighbor who's always talking about Jesus and never talking about anything else. Because I don't know that those people are so weird, but they get on everyone's nerves. Right? right? None of us want to be... And we don't want to be labeled on that side of the stuff that makes the nightly news. Exactly, yeah. And we don't want to be like the televangelists. That you're, right. we, don't, we don't want that persona. We want people to think we're kind of normal, but we, we still want them to maybe know we're in love with Jesus. We haven't figured out how to mitigate right. all of that balance in our lives right. yet. And we want to be liked and accepted and received, and we're afraid that if we throw this out there, that somehow that's going to be a hurdle. Yeah. So one of the things I just wanted to encourage you about concerning the fear is this. The first part I've already said a couple of times at a certain level concerning the fear, if you're terrified about engaging someone in a spiritual conversation, at a certain level, you just got to get over it and try it. But I want to encourage you around the win of that. I can guarantee you from personal experience, yeah. from the experience of everyone I've ever known that has done this, you're going to feel a sense of satisfaction and closeness with God immediately following your attempt to do the best you can at evangelism, unlike you've ever experienced before. So I just want to throw that out as kind of a an incentive to you. If you want to really experience God and have the sense that God's working in your life and feel his presence, the way we used to talk about it in the church growing up, yeah. you take the risk of sharing your faith with someone or you take the risk of talking about spiritual things with someone or you take the risk of talking about how much you love your church with someone and I can guarantee you you'll feel God's work in your heart and in your life. No you know, it's, it's it. hard in a work environment. A lot of us spend a lot of our time in work. Uh, you know, I'm not up on all the latest laws and stuff, but I know in talking with people that work in HR and other places, when somebody opens the door, and a lot of times, those of you that are in management, you'll have the opportunity when somebody's at a death, they're in a transition, when things are going on, a lot of times people will say, you know, the most door-opening kinds of things. You know, I just need a lot of prayer. I need a chance. And I don't know in those environments that you can take it all the way and connect the dots to Jesus, but there are some powerful things you can say that often later on will produce a conversation. Yeah. So I think even in every environment, you can, the, it's the idea in football here, guys. You move the ball forward. You may not take it to the goal, but you, you can move the ball forward here. Yeah, and besides fear, there are some other common objections. I just wanted to throw a few out, yeah. and we'll have to wrap it up here pretty quick. But I, I know there are probably people sitting out there that have objections to evangelism. Um, and so let me throw three or four out, and you give me what yeah. you think is your best pastoral answer on how yeah, okay. maybe to overcome these objections, or at least some things for you guys to think about if you're sitting there thinking, well, this is for everyone else, but not really for me. So one of them you just hit on a little bit, but maybe on a deeper level than just, you, you know, it's hard to do at work because you're not supposed to yeah. be proselytizing at work. What would you say to people who feel like this isn't, the, the faith and religion and your experience with God is just a personal thing. Yeah, and, that's good. And, you know, proselytizing, trying to get someone else on board with that is really outside of, of the way people should be acting. That's kind of for you, and for your neighbor, it's kind of for them, and we shouldn't really be Yeah, and then even this. further, they just become an agenda item for you. Right, exactly. Okay, two, two quick thoughts. Um, in our culture historically um, in, in America, especially depending on your background, if you grew up Episcopalian or Catholic, this is going to resonate because 
while we acknowledge that it was a personal thing, a relationship, we translated that to it's a private thing, and it has no room in the public discourse. This stuff has no room in the public discourse. I would say that to a large degree, I understand that, but we're not talking about you standing in front of a room and telling everybody like we are, uh, come to Jesus. We do that because you come expecting it. We're talking about on a one-on-one level, people you know and have a history with. The, the idea here is that if you had a best friend and you had this amazing stock tip, I, I don't know, not insider training stuff, but a stock tip, and, and you really want it, you would share that potentially with your friend because they're your friend and you knew it was good for them. That's the mentality right. here. This is not an agenda to cross some unknown person across the line and get some brownie points with Jesus or his church. No, these are the people you care about and you're saying it's made a difference in my life and I, I really believe, not because, you know, not because I think that you need it, but because I need it, I know we all need it, this would be, really help you. So it's personal, but I don't think it has to be private. Right. And, uh, and even in the friendship discourse, if not the public discourse, this thing needs to be more it's, common. It's like really any act of compassion. You know, if when you go to take a meal to someone maybe who, who a family that's been out of work for a long time, you don't typically like parade that and make a big deal about it and get up on stage and high five and call them out and say, you know, how hard they are, yeah. how down they are on their luck. You just kind of do it because you know they need it. That's the same principle at work here. We need it because, again, eternity is at stake, and we want to have compassion for the people that God's put in our lives. All right, so what about, this is a pretty common one, actually. And I think there's some legitimacy to this, especially if you've been at Four Corners for a while and you've kind of engaged this process of big days and inviting people to church and, and evangelism. What do you say to someone who says, I'm just out of people to ask? I've kind of yeah. tapped out. You know, we actually have experienced this in our family because Jill and I ramp up with the church. In fact, we try to anticipate and stay a few weeks ahead. And there's a, there's a lady that my wife has poured into for four years. Four years. I think we've seen her here one time. Her kid comes on occasion. Uh, here's, here's what my wife does. This is beautiful. She just finds a reason to talk to her. She typically will invite the kid over to play. And then she'll say, you know, I've asked before and you haven't been able to make it, but we're having a special day at church. I think your son would love it. I'd love to pick him up. But if you want to come, I'd love to swing by and pick you both up. So, so we've already run out. I mean, we, like, we've run out. Right. But you can re-engage. I mean, it's not like an everyday, come to church, come to church, right. come to church. I, oh, God, would you come to church? We can't be friends if you don't. That's not it. It's a few times a year you reach out, and then you give them a reason. You say, hey, my church is having our eighth anniversary. It's a special day for us. I'd love for you to come and just be my guest today. Right. Or at Eve, Eve, or Easter. That's when it really gets easier. Right. Hey, it's the holidays. We have some amazing music, and I'd love for you to come be a part of it. Your ki- and we always say, because we have kids, your kids will love this. Right. And there, there really are some people that you shouldn't ask that, at least in terms of asking them to come to church, if you want to talk to them about spiritual things, uh, it'll be great, and it'll probably be really easy. But people who are already following God, yeah. and you know by their example in their life, and they're already really in love with the church they're attending, don't try to get them to come to our church. They're no. happy where they're at. The last thing we want to do is create some confusion in their life or in their family's life. Leave them alone. Yeah, talk about God, but right. don't invite them to our church. And we're not in competition with those folks. This no. is about getting people close to Jesus. But there are two types of people that maybe you should be a little more concerned about and try to engage. One of them are people that you get the sense that maybe they're lost. They don't know God. They don't have at least an active relationship with God. Now, that's a hunch. You probably haven't asked them that directly. But God kind of reveals that sort of stuff to you. He does. If you're sensitive and you have eyes for it. And you can kind of tell by the testimony of someone's life, a lot of times, not always, kind of where they're at. And so just use your judgment there as well as letting the Spirit lead you. And then if you know someone that maybe is following God, and maybe you know a little bit about them, and you know that you know Jesus is their leader and Lord, but they don't have a good church home, this is a great church for them to plug into. Yeah. 
So if you love this church, it would make sense for you to invite them to come and check it out so that they can be plugged into a community of faith where good things are happening, where they can experience real worship every single Sunday morning, where they can join a small group and love other people and be loved on, and where they can find a place to serve and use their spiritual gifts in God's kingdom. Those are the kinds of people you should be looking to invite to church with you on September the 16th. You talked a little bit about this, but go through maybe one or two ways or doors that could be slightly cracked open of how you begin the conversation. Well, we, we, um, we set these big days around four national transitional moments or heightened awareness moments throughout the year. Fe- early February, people are starting the new year. Many of them already broken their resolutions. And so in the early part of the year, when we do February, I say something like, hey, you know, Jill and I are reevaluating our year and we're thinking about our patterns and we're just trying to realize uh, how we're going to engage church. Have, have you, what, what do you guys do? And I, I, I hope, what do right. you guys do as it relates to your, your family's spiritual development? And now these are people we have a relationship with. That, that conversation does this, it meanders, but sometimes there's a really not, and sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes right. there, that, that's a way. We do it at, the, at this time of year. Hey, we're kicking back in school. Our vacations are over. I'll say one of the things we're most excited about is getting to see our friends consistently at church because my kids really love church. All right. And then I'll say something like, what was your experience growing up? Did, did you enjoy church as a kid? You know, right. we're, we're off on some rabbit trail and I'm just listening. And the whole time they're talking, I am listening, but I'm praying, God, would you give me an open door? Because if it's now, if now's the time, I want to do it. Right. And you'd be surprised how many people will say, I enjoyed church as a kid. Or there was a person who had a big impact on my life. Um, and, and yet it's been a long time. And sometimes, man, that's the time to close the deal. Sometimes it's not. Right. But so that, you, that's my other question real quick. I'll say, hey, you know, who in your life, this is like over lunch, who in your life would you say besides your parents had the biggest impact on your development as a person? So I didn't even use the spiritual word. Right. Your development as a person. You'd be surprised how often it's a teacher who was a Christian. It was a, a, a youth pastor. It was a Sunday school teacher. It, you'd be surprised how often the person who had the impact was somebody who had deep-rooted faith. And then you're, you're off on another trail. All right, so you talk about what you like about church. Some of the things you get out yeah. of this idea of getting to hang out with your friends on a regular basis, be able to come and experience great worship. Maybe if like your favorite thing is small groups or Ben's. Uh, preaching every Sunday. Those are easy ways to kind of begin a conversation, uh, easy, easy starting points. Also, look for where places of need. I mean, a lot of times you're talking with people at work or in your neighborhood about something that happened, someone that, you know, got sick or someone that just discovered they had cancer. Everyone has cancer these days, it seems like, yeah. doesn't it? Those are all great places to begin a conversation about spiritual things. You can say things like, you know, uh, would you mind if I pray for that? If you feel bold enough, you might even say, you mind if I pray for you right now about that? You might say, well, those are the kind of things that we like to think about and talk about on Sunday mornings at our church. It'd be cool if maybe you could come. Maybe you'll hear something that would be beneficial to you. But it's kind of those moments in life where people are hurting. Those are good opportunities to look for that are kind of open doors that probably God has put you in that place at that time to be a spokesperson for him in the moment. Yeah, and so the last thing I want to say about all that is, is, you know, I'm not talking about the stranger. Sometimes I think we glorify. You walk up to the stranger and you say, I see, friend, you have need. I'd like to pray with you. And then they bow right there in the street corner. These are people that you're already friends with. These are people you already know. These are people you probably have already talked to to some degree. And if you can't take them all the way, you know, to like across the line of faith, then bring them where their meal is served regularly. You invest in friendships, just in friendships, but go all the way in the friendship. Don't leave a major part of your life unspoken. And then we will... We will make the investment on the spiritual side if you can't do that fully. And together, we'll partner together. That's the beauty of church. Your gifts, our gifts brought together in some symbiotic relationship where God's agenda moves forward. Wouldn't it be great 
if the families uh, that have kids that your kids play with, if those parents were on board with God's agenda in the world in their own lives, I mean, we have kids in our neighborhood I know that's not true for. And, you know, you're a little cautious about your kids playing with them. Wouldn't it be great if they were all on board? Wouldn't it be great if every teacher in every classroom and every school administrator had a general sense of being open to God's agenda in this world? If every politician and every employer and every employee and every manager had a... This is the idea. Not that we... Listen, not that we set it on a political scale and we mandate that this stuff happens. Christianity has tried that. It doesn't work, friends. It threw us into the dark ages. Yeah, and through this political season, oh, that's the thing you definitely want to avoid oh, as you it, engage this conversation. It makes, it makes me sick. Yeah. I'm talking about on a friendship level, one-on-one, you invest in people you care about. And quit trying to legislate or get behind some dramatic lawyering around the spiritual agenda and setting a Christian culture. Let that be the byproduct of Christians who are on fire about Jesus and his message. This other stuff, you do what you feel like God's called you to do. But that is explicit in the scripture. And sometimes I think the enemy is very crafty in getting us excited about some new law and because it's Christian. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's between you and the Lord. And I'll tell you what you should believe if you want to buy me lunch. But, it, but on the other hand, what if you and I just got excited about what Jesus was crystal clear about? Right. Share my message. And that, we feel like two things. It's going to bless us. We feel like it will bless our community. We feel like the church will grow. We feel like it will have a positive impact on your family and the families around you. So don't get overly excited about the political thing. Jesus never said if we invite or elect the right president, then the whole world will come to redemption. Never said it. Never. What he said was, if you share my message, people will come in droves, bow their knee between the heavenly father and say, I accept your son, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will take up residence, and their lives will begin to change. And those are the folks we'll spend eternity with. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. So as we get ready to come up on our eighth anniversary, we wanted to make sure that if maybe you were unclear, you understood what one of the main heartbeats of our church is. And it really is all about the, one of the primary reasons we started this entire thing called Four Corners and why people have done it throughout the century, started churches, is that we want to invite other people to have a relationship with Jesus. And if you boiled all that we do down to one kind of statement is we want to partner with God and help him create more followers of him. We want to make disciples, to yeah. borrow the Matthew 28 language. We want to get them in. We want to get them grown up. We wanna, and part of growing up is getting back on board with the mission. The very thing that got you excited, the proof that you're growing up is you get excited about getting other people there. Saved people, found people, find people. Yeah, right? exactly. So, hey, why don't you pull out your Connect card? We're going to give you some next bold steps for this week. I wonder if all these next bold steps will be around evangelism. What do you think? Uh, at least a couple. All right, good. Sure. All right, so the first one. Uh, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, we, we're talking about evangelism, but it would be foolish to not give you an opportunity. If you're in the room today, you don't know Jesus, you're not in a relationship, it's a great day to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's pretty simple. God, I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me. I'd like you to lead my life. I'm tired of sitting at the steering wheel. I, the biblical words, would you be my forgiver and my... And my leader, would you be my savior? Would you be my Lord? If you want to do that, you check the box. We send you some information. But in a moment, we'll pray about that. And you can begin that right now. You can use my words, your words. God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I want you. I want to begin my life from this moment forward with you at the helm. If you want to do that, man, check the box. It's a great day to begin a relationship with Jesus. Uh, if you want to get baptized, next step B. Uh, I'm with Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I want the world to know. I'm going to celebrate what God's done. It's going to be a great day. We have, we have an amazing baptism coming up, don't we? Yeah, uh, something like six or seven adults, a few students are getting baptized next week. So there is a baptism next week. If you've marked this box this week, you can get the, 
the job done next Sunday. We'll get with you on Monday or Tuesday and get you some details. And the next one after that is coming up like the second week in November or something like that. That's First great. Week, second week. Next step C. I'm going to pray for people I know are disconnected from God or his church. There's a lot of orphan Christians that are away from the family of God. They've been hurt, bruised, battered. This is a good church to reconnect. Pray for them. If they're here, pray for them. If they're away and they're your family, pray for them. God wants his followers in not a perfect church, but a pretty good church. All all across this world, that's what he wants. All right, next step, D. I'm going to pray for God to put four people on my heart that I can reach out to. 60 to 80% of the people who come to church say they come because a friend invites them. One in four people have said, if a friend would invite me to go with them, they would meet me outside the front door, I would show up. So if you invite four, we believe one is likely to come. So pray about God to put four people on your heart. And then here's what I need everybody to do, even if you ignored us up to this point. Next step B. I'm going to be especially friendly on our big day to talk and welcome everyone I see. Listen, don't just talk to your friends two weeks from now. You talk to everybody. Thanks for coming. We're glad to see you. What's your name? Talk, smile, be friendly. If you can't do that, um, would you see me after church? I'd like to tell you where to go on Sunday of our Whoa. big day, what church to go to. All right? I thought you were going to say, tell you where to go. I no, 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 no. no. There's some other churches that would be glad to have you on that day, but we need friendly, friendly people on our big day. Let's pray about these things right now. Lord Jesus, thank you. God, thank you for grace. God, thank you that somebody reached out to my family because they loved us. And they said, hey, would, would you let your kids come to church with us? And we did. And God, that began an amazing journey of transformation in my life. Thank you, Lord, for that investment that was made. God, would you put on our hearts who you've already put into our lives that we can share your message of redemption. And if we can't go all the way there, we're going to just at least have a meaningful conversation and invite them to where the meal is served. God, there are probably people in this room who haven't yet begun a relationship with you. And so what we're talking about sounds foreign. God, I pray that today they would, they would bow their knee and declare you to be the Lord of their life. Give you the reins. God, over the next 14 days, would you elevate the people that are already in, your, in our lives, the ones we've already chatted with potentially, and help us to see that open door. I pray this in your name, Jesus, the strong son of God. Amen and amen.